and welcome to episode 189 of SwiftCast. This is Nate, Ashley, Adam, and Steph. So we have a really exciting episode lined up for you guys this week. For this episode, we're going to be talking all about our earliest predictions for Taylor Swift, Album 6, whenever that releases. We have some great content to share with you guys this week. Before we do that, we just kind of wanted to tell our listeners uh, about something new that we're trying out with the podcast. We ended up partnering with a new podcast hosting platform, a really great platform. It's called Blog Talk Radio. So in each of our episodes, there are going to be a few advertisements. Uh, The reason that we're doing this is for a couple, I think, pretty good reasons. Podcasting, first of all, is not free. We've been paying out of pocket to do this for a long time. And in order to basically cover our costs, we've just decided to start advertising. On top of that, any proceeds that we make from this advertisement, we have decided to flip into some pretty amazing giveaways for you guys. So stay tuned for that because really, I think we're going to put together some nice giveaway packages, some really amazing merchandise out there for you guys to win for free. So really, it's a win-win situation for everybody. I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to give us just a lot of opportunity to give back to our listeners. And especially a lot of you guys have been with us for almost four years now. So I'm really glad that we're able to expand what we can offer. And I think it'll be a really good partnership. Yeah, like Ashley and Nate, I'm really excited about giving back to the listeners. Because we've been paying out of pocket, we haven't been able to do nearly as many giveaways as we would like. And we want to get some really good prizes and get listeners just more involved than they already are in the podcast yeah and through this new hosting company also we're gonna have more opportunities to do call-in episodes with you guys and just a lot of new great tools so i'm really excited for some of that to start yes the coming months of swiftcast uh should be evolving and we'll be making the podcast better and better and this is just the first step in that process so stay tuned So without further ado, we are going to go ahead with a new segment this week. Normally we read some of Taylor's older tweets, but today we are going to read some of Taylor's older Tumblr posts because they are actually really fascinating and hilarious. So Ashley, why don't you kick us off? This first one I remember so clearly. So at the Brit Awards in 2015, Taylor debuted her performance of Blank Space, which would eventually basically become the tour performance it was when she had the long catwalk and the first time that we sort of saw that come together and a tumblr user say you'll remember me taylor commented that catwalk though carly must be so proud and taylor replied she helped me learn the walk a good call there that's pretty cool i could imagine those two perfecting taylor's form so that she could do that on blank space And I think it was around the time of that performance that we all started to jokingly speculate that she should have models on the runway on tour. I think so, yeah. And of course, look how that ended up turning out. We were right about something. (laughs) It doesn't happen often. Very rare. Very rare moment. And Taylor also made another post that day. And she said, I tend to choose red carpet earrings based on how much they resemble a tiny octopus about to attack you and crawl in your ear. And she posted a picture of herself from the Brit Awards, uh, which showed those earrings. 
And that was when she wore that black and red dress on the red carpet. That was a great dress. I really loved that. It had a dragon on it, on the back, right? Yeah, that was so unique. That was so cool. I feel like it's not talked about too much in like any type of favorite outfit lists or anything, but it's one of my favorites. Yeah, it was just very, very different. Well, last year on February 21st, 2016, Taylor made a Tumblr post that said, I met her when I was 10 days old and him in kindergarten. Now they're married and I'm the happiest maid of honor ever. Congratulations, Brittany, Mac, and Ben. And we had all those People magazine photos that were really great from the wedding. And we even heard some excerpts from Taylor's speech, which was phenomenal. Those were great. I keep hoping that we're going to get an update soon about if she's going to be standing up in Abigail's wedding, which I imagine she would be, but Abigail hasn't posted anything, so we'll have to see. Yes, I would think she would be involved heavily in the wedding. So our last post is from February 17th, 2016. And uh, Taylor made this Tumblr post about uh, a really interesting story with Ed Sheeran. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and read the Tumblr post because uh, she, you know, highlights it all there. She wrote, Looking back on the highlights of my life, there's a moment I'll never forget from a day in London about two years ago. I was in town to play the O2, and I was out shopping on my day off. My friend, Ed Sheeran, met up with me in this little shop where I was buying ballet shoes. He walks in and says, you have to hear this new song. I think it's the best one I've ever written. Then, as usual, he pulls out his phone and gives me headphones. I sat there on a bench in that store and heard Thinking Out Loud for the first time, as little kids were picking out tutus and leotards next to us. Little did we know it would go on to be first dance song at countless weddings all over the world, become Ed's biggest hit, and eventually go on to win him Song of the Year at the 2016 Grammys. Ed and I had been on tour together all year on the Red Tour, and we saw each other almost every day. I lived for the moments he would burst into my dressing room with a new song to play me. It happened so often that it became normal, and I don't think he ever knew how much it meant to me that he wanted me to hear his songs first. I don't think he ever knew how inspired I was by his drive and passion to constantly create new art. But it's his 25th birthday today, so I'm saying it now. You deserve everything you have and everything you will continue to achieve, Ed. Such a great post. It really is. That brings a tear to my eye. Their friendship. <laughs> I just miss them being on the Red Tour together. That was truly the best combination there could ever be. You know, I was really excited about this post, but I was also a little sad because part of me felt like Taylor had to make it because people were kind of criticizing her for how excited she was when Ed won. She just was so excited when he won. And it's just frustrating because for whatever reason, people decided to criticize her for that. And I hope she didn't even know that that was going on and she was going to make this post no matter what. But I do sometimes wonder if she knew that people were criticizing her for being excited for her friend. It's just so unfair how people react so negatively about something simple that she does. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was pretty evident to most people that she was genuinely excited and happy that he won Song of the Year. I mean, how could you not think that? Exactly. People just pick on her for the dumbest things. I agree. I mean, I, for one, 
love their friendship. I think it's amazing. Everything that I see them doing together, everything that they've worked together for, I think is just incredible. And you know, on another note, as far as Ed Sheeran goes, this week, his new album is out, Divide. March 3rd, it's coming out. So if you're listening to this before March 3rd, mark the day, download the album. Yeah, pre-order it even. Yeah, you definitely won't regret it. I'm excited to hear everything else. The songs so far have been fantastic. I feel like it'll be kind of similar to when a Taylor album comes out. I'll want to just set aside time to do nothing but listen to it, whether it's in the car or just sitting there listening to it. It's really, really special the first time you hear an album, and there are only certain people that I really take the time to do that. And we were talking amongst ourselves, hoping or wondering whether maybe Taylor could be a surprise on here. There hasn't been a lot of detail given, but you never know. Even on a deluxe version, if she could be a surprise duet or something, that would be great. I sure hope so. That's actually, you know, spoiler alert, even though I've been saying it for the past, I don't know how many million episodes, uh, I would love to see a collaboration from the two of them make it onto either his or her album, so. He mentioned it in an interview about them collaborating, so fingers crossed. Yeah, I feel like we've sort of been teased about this for years. We know that there are plenty of songs that they've written in the past which haven't ever been released, and I hope that finally we can get something because I feel like we've just been waiting for so long. I feel like Everything Has Changed was only the tip of the iceberg of the very first thing they created together when they became friends, and I feel like now that they've known each other for so long, they could create something even better. And they've both evolved a lot since then, so it would be really interesting to hear what they would create. So on a similar note, uh, speaking of this week's news, basically we're just going to kind of jump right into the news from this past week. And the first item is really exciting. Little Big Town had a show at the Ryman in Nashville this weekend, and they actually made an announcement and said that Taylor was hoping to join them on stage to sing Better Man at the show, but she ended up being in London, so she couldn't make it, which is a bummer, but also leads to fans wondering what she's doing in London. Right. Could she be collaborating with Imogene Heap again? Mm. Or is she relocating there? Maybe she just really likes London. She always has really liked London. <laughs> she does, to be fair, yeah. She calls it Funden. And I feel like she's the times that she's there are usually around this time of year in January and February, am I right? Yes, but she had 1989 shows in February. I remember she was there when people were speculating about her doing Les Mis way back many years ago. I think it was around this time of year. That would explain why we haven't seen her out and about anywhere, because I think it's much easier for her to be hidden when she's in another country. Well, I remember... Carly Kloss did an interview well after 1989 was released, and she said that Taylor was looking to relocate to London, but then changed her mind and decided to move to New York. So that's why I brought up, could she be moving there? Has she moved there? I don't know. Maybe she's just there working on the new album. 
Or maybe she's relaxing. It's a mystery. Maybe she's writing Welcome to London. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it could be a wide variety of things. And going back to the, the tweet about Little Big Town, I believe they are doing a residency at the Ryman, which means they are going to play lots of shows there over the next months or a certain period of time. So I think it's a pretty good bet that whenever Taylor is back in the United States, she'll go there and she'll sing Better Man with them. So we have to buy tickets for every show now. Pretty much. It's really exciting to think about because we've mentioned many times how we wish that just for one night she could go back to Nashville and play a small show at the Opry or the Ryman and it's just not very realistic, but even getting her on stage for one song there would be really amazing. It really would be. To see her in that kind of a venue, such a historic venue. And it's so small, and it's really just a very special place, so I hope that it happens. Next in the news, the Grammy Museum's most popular exhibit, the Taylor Swift Experience, will be featured in Mississippi from March 3rd through August 13th. Yes, we actually mentioned this last week on episode 188, where we featured Kayla, who told us all about the Grammy Museum, Taylor Swift Experience in New York City. And we mentioned that it would be going to Mississippi. It's actually going to be in Cleveland, Mississippi. So that's exciting. Not Cleveland, Ohio, for those of you who live around me, unfortunately. (laughs) But those of you down south, definitely, you need to go check it out. And the next piece of news is that Taylor now has 98 million followers on Instagram, and she's actually the second most followed person on Instagram. Selena Gomez is the first most followed person. Really? Selena Gomez? I had no idea. Yeah, Selena actually has 111 million followers, so she is quite a few ahead of Taylor. Wow. Yeah, that's so many. Well, speaking of breaking records, our next piece of news, I Don't Want to Live Forever has already reached 100 million views and is Vivo certified which means Taylor now has the third most Vivo certifications, with a total of 23. That is unbelievable. Yeah, it reached it really quickly. Really quickly. And the weird thing is, I don't know how they count it. I think we talked about this on a different episode, because Zane has the video on his channel, and Taylor has it on hers. And I think it might also be on a Fifty Shades channel. Yes, it is. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, so do they actually just add up all of those views from each channel? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I don't think we're sure how they they calculate these totals, but maybe they add them up? Actually, they don't add them up because Taylor's Vivo video of it has 117 million views. And Zane's has 31 million views. And the Fifty Shades Vivo channel has... 5 million. So it looks like they don't add them up. So really, this video has way more views. It's almost near 200 million or getting there. That's incredible. It had to have hit 100 million way earlier than it did because people are viewing it on all these different channels. So, in other song related news, 
A billboard was just recently put up on Music Row in Nashville congratulating Taylor on Better Man hitting number one. And if you guys remember in 2014, there was a Shake It Off billboard on Music Row, and this is in the same spot. So it's exciting to see Taylor back there again. I know I went and had a photo shoot with the Shake It Off billboard, so I really wish I could go see this one. It looks really nice. And also, I Don't Want to Live Forever has moved up to number two on the Billboard Hot 100 this week. Soon it will be number one. And our final piece of news for the week is that Taylor has donated a jersey, an autographed football, a calendar, a 1989 CD, and a 1989 bag for an auction that was put on this past week by Athletes Causes. And Athletes Causes is an organization that does philanthropy management for pro athletes in the Major League Baseball, National Football League, National Hockey League, and the National Basketball Association. And they focus on creating charitable brands and fundraising for philanthropy. Yeah, it was a really cool package uh, in the package itself, that football. I think it had something to do also with her partnership with AT&T and DirecTV because the football itself had a big DirecTV Now on it um, logo. So either way, I ended up seeing on Twitter the girl who ended up winning the package, and she was very excited to have won it. I don't think she ended up disclosing what the final bid was for the package, but either way, I mean, incredible, rare, one-of-a-kind things in this package. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm so jealous of the jersey and the football. And I would bet they raised a lot of money. This organization supports so many different charitable efforts such as Make-A-Wish and Diabetes Empowerment and Big Brothers Big Sisters. It's always nice to see Taylor helping out in any way she can. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree. And so uh, now we're going to be moving into our fashion segment, which we haven't had in a long time, but I think it's a pretty cool occasion to be able to actually have one for this week's episode because the Oscars were this week. And so because of that, we're just going to kind of take a look back at some of Taylor's Oscars after parties dresses um, that she's worn. She's actually had some really cool outfits. And I bet you really missed our fashion segment. You know, I really did. I always said in all these episodes, I love the fashion segment. We definitely don't do enough of it. Well, the problem is Taylor knows places to hide right now. She's not really out and about. Ah, I see what you did there. I keep thinking it every week. She's just disappeared. She definitely knows where to hide. Yeah, I saw a funny meme on Twitter, and it was a wanted poster or a picture of Taylor that said missing uh, or wanted. And it said last seen Houston, Texas, February 4th. And I think that's pretty true because I can't recall any instance of her being photographed or seen in the past three weeks. It's crazy to think that there was once a time when we would see Taylor just about every day doing something. You're right, absolutely, especially the days when she was living in New York. Yeah, I think we all started to take for granted just how much we enjoyed her daily strolls around the city, and even though the paparazzi are crazy and I wish they would leave her alone, it was nice getting to see a little glimpse of her every day. 
I remember just always waiting when it would get to be around noon or something, being like, when's Taylor's daily outing? It's got to be soon. So the first dress that we want to talk about is from 2016, where Taylor wore... Now bear with me because uh, my pronunciations are not the greatest when it comes to fashion, but an Alexandra Vauthier Kutcher creation. And she paired it with Giuseppe Zanotti's shoes and is also carrying a Jimmy Choo clutch. Anyway, for uh, you layman's out there, she's wearing a long black dress with a really kind of revealing cut on one of her legs. Um, Anyway, it was really elegant. I really liked it. Gorgeous dress. And it had a gold kind of choker at the top. Yeah, a year ago, she was really rocking that choker style. She was, yeah. It was, to me, a very sleek look. And at this particular party, Taylor took this great photo with Lord and Austin near a couch, and it looked like they were shooting a photo shoot for a new drama on TV. Taylor's actual caption for the picture was, I feel like we achieved our goal of looking like we're in a new primetime drama series called Family Secrets. That's a series I would love to see. And I agree, they did look like that. Yeah, they looked great. And I think this is my favorite of all of her Vanity Fair looks because it's the most adventurous. It was really different. And she was on the best dress list for a lot of news publications. So for 2015, she actually wore a dress that was created in 2008 from Julianne McDonald. And this was a long black dress with long sort of sheer sleeves, if you guys remember. And it's a lot more classic, I guess, than the 2016 look, but I really love it still. It just shows you that Taylor can take something from 2008 and make it look fantastic seven years later. Now I just want to see her show up to parties wearing some of her old stage costumes from 2007 and 8. That would be great. This was my favorite look out of the four. I think just because of how simple it is. Very simple, a long black dress, and I think that the the hair looked really good with it. It was a perfect pairing. Plus lots of sparkles, which Taylor loves. In 2014, Taylor made an appearance at the Weinstein Company pre-party for the Academy Awards, and she wore an Oscar de la Renta long-sleeve lace cocktail dress. And she paired that with Lorraine Schwartz jewelry, Christian Louboutin clutch, and Jimmy Choo sandals. And this was another, I would call it, a very simple look. Um, A nice knee-length white dress. Pretty simple and very elegant, and it looked great. I love seeing her in white dresses. I always have. Yeah, I really love this dress because it is simple, but it's lacy, and it just looks very tailored. And this would have been very shortly after she cut her hair. Her hair was short when she wore this dress. So I loved her hair when she cut it, and I just thought this looked great for the new look. And our last one is from 2011, when Taylor went to the Vanity Fair after party, and she wore this sparkly gold dress. It was from Zuhar Murad, and she had her hair pulled up a bit, in sort of the Speak Now era style. And you may remember this particular party because 
she was with Selena a lot, and Selena wore this gorgeous red gown, and they took a lot of cute photos together. Yeah, I don't think I voted on my favorite one here. I think my favorite was probably the 2014, that white dress. I'm going to have to agree with you guys. Though really, in all of these, I mean, Taylor just looks gorgeous as usual. Yeah, this is a tough one to pick, but I also love the white one. She just looks really good in white. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. And it makes me think of, like, the love story dress from the Red Tour. And I think next year, we'll probably see Taylor at the Oscars, because I think I Don't Want to Live Forever will be nominated for a Golden Globe and an Oscar. I'm just going to predict it now. I agree. So for this week, that's all we have for our fashion segment. And so we'll be right back with our main discussion. And now we're back for our main discussion for this episode. Uh, Like I said earlier, album six predictions. I can't even believe that we've made it this far to even be talking about album six, that it's even a concept. And so for this week, we're going to share some of our predictions, kind of what we think, uh, you know, collaborations and co-writers and things like that. And we are also going to share a bunch of things that you guys uh, submitted to us and just kind of read them on the episode and kind of go through them, talk about it. And so the cool thing is, in the future, when the album actually launches, whether it be three months from now, six months from now, a year from now, whenever, uh, we're going to come back to this episode and see how right and wrong that we actually were as far as album six. (laughs) That'll be fun. It will be. And it's just been kind of funny how the whole concept of this next album has been sort of a moving target in the way that we've talked about it. I think that We were very confident that something was happening around the time of the Austin show, and then it didn't, but Houston seemed like something could definitely be happening, so of course everyone was really excited. And now, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like it probably will be coming this summer. I feel like I have no idea. (laughs) And I think that's her purpose. I think she's just going to drop this out of nowhere. See, I'm more traditional. I take the opinion that she is going to do like she always has for all of her albums. She's going to time it perfectly. She's going to release it in the fall. Um, and everything's just going to be status quo as far as the album. That's what I'd like to see anyway. I could also see that. But the way she's just completely out of view right now, I think is what makes me lean more toward her just dropping this out of nowhere. So, Nate, you think that we'll get... Uh, some sort of live stream announcement or something like that, as has been the case in the past? Yeah, totally. I think um, over the summer, when was it? Uh, early August when we f- first would hear about these things? Mm-hmm. I think that's what our timeline's really looking like. I mean, hey, I'd love it if it came sooner, but I don't know. I just feel like Taylor's really traditional about these types of things. So, I'm not quite sure what I think about if she's going to release an album out of the blue or do something like a live stream to announce a date, you know, a month in the future. But one thing I do want to mention, and I've been thinking about this more and more, and I really think I'm going to be right about it. But of course, I might be completely wrong. (laughs) Um, I've mentioned this in the past, but the cutoff date for Grammy Awards for the album to be considered for the Grammy Awards is September 30th of this year. So if Taylor does not release an album before September 30th, the album would not be available to be nominated for Grammys until the 2019 Grammys. Now, Grammys aren't everything. I know they 
are pretty important to Taylor, as we found out from, you know, when she was disappointed about losing Red. Of course, she came back and she won with 1989. But it just seems like such a long time to wait to the 2019 Grammys for this new album. So that's why I think she will release it in either August or September before that cutoff. So just a smidge sooner. But as long as she has a single before that cutoff date, the single will be eligible, much like Shake It Off was nominated in 2015. That's a very good point. Correct. That is, yeah. Are you thinking more of she wants a nomination for Album of the Year by 2018? Correct. Maybe Album of the Year, Song of the Year, whatever other awards uh, would be applicable. Yes. But you do bring up a good point. I just think she won't want to aim for another album of the year in 2018 because it's too close to her 2016 win. Okay. In that case, I would go more with Nate's timeline where she would want it to be later so it would build up steam like 1989 did and then get nominated for 2019. But she would do what she usually does and release something before that cutoff date so that at least the lead single could be nominated like Shake It Off was. And then she could attend the 2018 awards and still have a couple nominations. Right. Although we talked before about how that didn't work out for her. Shake It Off was nominated but didn't win. And we feel like sometimes because she's nominated practically every year, people feel like she gets too much even though she's not. Mm -hmm. Well, apart from 1989 too, if you guys remember, uh, we actually visited this a couple weeks ago was that for Red, uh, same thing happened. We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together was also nominated for a Grammy. So, I don't know. Yeah, it may not win right away if, you know, tradition holds basically for that first single. And, you know, people, you know, say what they say. They might not like to see so much of Taylor, but I still think it's a really good idea. Get yourself in those, in the Grammy nominations as much as you can. I mean, uh, it only makes sense to me. I would think... Better Man should have a good shot of being nominated for next year, even though it would be an older song. Oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, everybody loves Better Man. I mean, you know, aside from all of the fans that she has now that are really into pop music, uh, also going back to some of her country roots, I mean, everyone there loves the song as well. And everybody loves Little Big Town. Mm -hmm, absolutely. So speaking of kind of like, you know, genre influences, what do you guys think as far as the album goes? Do you think it's going to be poppy? Do you think it's going to be country? Do you think it's going to be rock style almost? I don't know. What do you guys think? What do you think, Ashley? I don't know. I, I changed my mind a lot because I feel like Taylor has almost been purposely throwing us for a loop with the fact that she released This Is What You Came For, Better Man, and I Don't Want to Live Forever all so close together. It seems like she could go any direction. Because those three are so different to the point. And I just remember thinking when she played all of them in Houston, which I was so excited that she did, this seems like it should be three songs from three different eras. Like how crazy that these were all created over the past basically six months. But it's so cool because it shows how multifaceted she is. And we know there are also rumors about her working with Drake. So that will just introduce a whole nother element. And I don't know. I think she feels strongly about certain ideas and she like stays true to them for a long time. Like how she 
really wanted 1989 to be sonically cohesive after she felt like Red wasn't, and obviously it very much was. And now that she focused on making 1989 all sound similar, I would not be surprised if she took the opposite approach and tried to make a very diverse album. That would be cool. I would like that a lot. I mean, it hasn't really been done by anyone, but all the more reason why I could see her doing it. Yeah, I think it'll still be pop-centric, and I've also heard rumors that she's been working with Max Martin again, who obviously is a a pop record uh, megastar. So I think it'll be, in general, a pop album, but the individual songs might go in different directions, which would be cool. I really like the idea of having a bunch of different styles, but I think Taylor has probably learned that a sonically cohesive album does better in the Grammys. And we keep talking about the Grammys a lot, but she won Album of the Year with Fearless in 1989, and both of those albums are sonically cohesive. So I could see her taking a risk and doing what Ashley mentioned, and I think it would be really cool. But even if she does make an album that's sonically cohesive, she's still going to take a risk and evolve because that's what she does. And for me, I would think it would be poppy because like Adam said, she's likely working with Max Martin and Johan Schellbeck and they specialize in pop. They're geniuses in pop music, but I could see it maybe being a little bit more rocky with a rock element. See, that's what I would really like. I mean, first of all, I have to say pop works well for Taylor. Obviously, 1989 was her biggest album ever. Pop just, I mean, it works. And like you said, Max Martin and Shellback, I mean, pop geniuses. To me, I think hearing some of my favorite things um, are some of Taylor's old rock-inspired kind of songs. You know, one that I think is really underrated is Story of Us. You get the guitar, you get the drums, I mean, uh, and when you see them really kind of jam out on stage, I don't know, it's, it's awesome. And I think she incorporated those kind of elements into the 1989 tour. Oh, she absolutely did, which is just all the more reason that, you know, the album could potentially, you know, steer in a slightly different direction. I think if she kind of kept with just true to the pop theme, I think she could do it where it would kind of evolve into a somewhat, I don't want to say like a darker kind of pop or like an R&B kind of pop, because that's not really what I'm trying to say. But when you look at songs like This Is What You Came For, which is very electronic, clubby, when you look at I Don't Want to Live Forever, which is, you know, slow, darker, like, you know. And then to top that off, kind of pairing that with how the pre-party was for the Houston show, where you were in this club atmosphere, basically, this really extravagant um, dance uh, techno atmosphere. Anyway, I could totally see whatever album six is, if she's going to stick with pop, kind of move in that type of direction. So I don't know if that makes sense to you guys or not. But really, I think it would be a more mature approach and just overall a, a more evolved and, I don't know, I think better approach as far as if she's going to keep the pop thing going. Yeah, I can completely see what you're saying, especially with I Don't Want to Live Forever. It's the newest song. And I think it does move in that direction toward a more grown up, kind of darker. And some people describe it as R&B. I do know that if it was an entire album that sounded similar to the 1989 tour, We Are Never Ever version, I would be perfectly happy with that. Yes, absolutely. 
yeah, that was what I had in mind. Like that or the beginning of Trouble for the 1989 tour version. Kind of a darker sounding. Yeah, like a low voice, um, kind of moody. Yeah. And even to an extent almost, I would say, uh, Love Story from 1989. Yeah, the electronic pop version or the electronic keyboard version. A little bit slower, you know, not as uh, bouncy, I guess, as the original was. Mm-hmm. Which kind of reminds me, I mean, you you said earlier that Drake would potentially be one of uh, the collaborations on the album. Uh, that could be evidence right there of, of, you know, that type of transition. Yeah, no one's completely sure. Some people think that the collaboration will be featured on Drake's album, but nobody knows for sure. And Drake's album hasn't been released yet, so we have to just keep waiting. And like we said earlier, too, I mean, if she's collaborating with Ed Sheeran, uh, same thing, it might be on his album. Right. We'll know that soon, though, Mm -hmm. fortunately. You know, going back to the whole rock thing, I think like one of the really cool collaborations I think she could do and do really well for me, I would love to hear her collaborate and make a song with Kings of Leon. Uh, I don't know if you guys really listen to their music at all, but I think, oh my God, their music is so good. It would, I think, just go so well if she was able to pull something off with them. I agree. And we know that she does have a connection to them since the lead singer is married to her friend, Lily Aldridge. I would say anybody in that sort of rock genre, I mean, she's had some great collaborations in the past with some unexpected people and some more expected people, but I think the ones that you would never think to put her together with are sometimes the best ones. Like, I don't think I ever would have predicted her doing a song with Imogen Heap, but how amazing did Clean turn out? Oh my gosh, right? I mean, I mean, hey, you know, like we were saying, she's in London, maybe we're getting another Clean song uh, clean type song coming out and you can't forget about the kesha rumors that maybe they have a song oh yeah that's right that's right i forgot about that and if it does move towards more clubby kind of songs i mean that's really what kesha's known for right so as far as like the content of her songs um something i've been kind of thinking about lately because taylor obviously you know she says it every time she comes out with an album uh, where she gets her song inspirations from is just from, you know, her life, what's going on in her life, you know? And I think that something I've just been kind of playing around with is the idea about her making a song about taking the extended break that she's, that she's had possibly, you know, like a reflective, like on her life or, you know, maybe kind of in the style or like maybe the same message as, uh, from the Red Album, The Lucky One, that type of approach to a song, I think that'd be really interesting. See, I thought you were going to say in the same style of like Castle on the Hill, because I kind of feel like that was Ed's reflection on his time off. Yeah, honestly, I mean, that fits really well, too. I mean, you know, kind of the same thing. And really, I mean, Ed took a long break, Lord took a long break. I wonder if they all just like discussed it, <laughs> <and>, like, <laughs> toss around song ideas with each other. Well, that's enough for our predictions. Uh, What we really want to do is highlight a lot of the predictions that you guys gave us. Um, First of all, from Reddit. Now, traditionally, we don't really use Reddit. Now, to me, I've been really curious about it lately. It is such a hidden gem, I think, in the Taylor fandom. If you guys haven't been there, the subreddit is, uh, well, it's reddit.com slash r slash Taylor Swift. There's some really interesting ideas, cool posts, great pictures. I mean, if you guys have not been there, you should totally check it out because really the subreddit is 
fantastic. Yeah, it's a great place for Taylor fans like us and yourselves to discuss more. I mean, you guys aren't able to participate, obviously, vocally in the podcast. You listen to it as fans, but, you know, you can write us and give us your feedback, but you can also go on Reddit and chat with other fans and write posts, and it's a great discussion platform. So we got a lot of great content from you guys on Reddit. Our first one was from Queen Crom on Reddit, and they suggested that the album would be, you know, kind of like less pop, more guitar, kind of, uh, you know, more like Red, which they said was their favorite album. And they're also thinking there'd be a collaboration or maybe two of them. So I'm right on board with you there. And our next one from Swift Whiskers on Reddit is really a lot of what we've just talked about. And Swift Whiskers thinks that it will be pop because 1989 did so well. But there may be some experimentation with other genres like pop rock and or dance club music. And I completely agree with that. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I like the part that they said about that they hope there will be just a little touch of country. I think we all just really would like that in any album that Taylor comes out with. Our next submission was from Trees Outside My Window, and they made a really nice post and brought up a lot of good points. And the first suggestion that they made was that they would love for Taylor to work with Dan Wilson and Jeff Basker again, just like she did on Red, and have a, a little bit less Max Martin so that the sound of the album goes back towards uh, the Red Era days. Another cool thing that they suggested was maybe at least a few songs that she wrote and produced by herself. We know that from 1989, she wrote all the songs but one with a co-writer or multiple co-writers. Regarding genre, they said that they would like it to be pop and rock, maybe including some indie rock. And a collaboration that they suggested that I absolutely love is Haley Williams from Paramore. How cool would that be? Oh man, Haley Williams. That would be amazing. I mean, you know, they've been friends for so long and she, uh, Haley came out on the Speak Now tour as well. I mean, why hasn't this happened yet? It's a good question. And the last thing that Trees Outside My Window suggested was that maybe it's wishful thinking, but they're hoping for it to be a double album since we have waited longer than the, the normal two-year period between <laughs> album releases. I would love that. <laughs> or at least for it to be about 15 tracks long so that we get a, a little bit more than a normal album. Yeah, I think everybody would be on board with that. I don't know it'll, that it'll happen, but that would be, Taylor, if you're listening, a great way to make up for this long drought that we've had. That's what I'm saying. 30-song album. Think about it, Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Trees Outside My Window also mentioned three deluxe tracks, which is interesting because Taylor really changed up the deluxe album for 1989 by including the process of making the songs. So I always wondered what she would do for the deluxe album, for the sixth album. Will she have special acoustic versions of maybe unreleased songs, or will she show us the songwriting process again, because it is really interesting, I think? Or will she give us unreleased songs from way back in the day that a lot of people would love to hear? The next submission, and I apologize if I butcher your name, is from... Yusri Rilke, 
and they suggested that it's still going to be a pop album, but maybe with a techno or electronic collaboration somewhere in there. And they also say that there will definitely be a song about Tom. And then another user down in flames replied that they are so ready for a Tom, hopefully happy, love song. I'm not sure. I could see Taylor being a little bit more obscure about the subjects of her songs. Seems like with each album, she becomes more and more obscure, which I think is nice. She is entitled to her privacy, but no matter what, people will always speculate. There's no getting away from it. And I think because it's been a much longer break and she's had, you know, a lot of different people in her life and situations throughout that time that that might kind of work to her advantage because it will let her be a little bit more like you said, obscure and only really reveal what she wants without having it be as obvious who songs might be about. Well, and I think we talked about this before, but a really good reason why Taylor might have wanted somebody else to sing Better Man is so she wouldn't have to deal with all the questions. Because Little Big Town sings it, there aren't that many questions about it. And I think it's nice that she got what she wanted to say out there, but she's not having to to deal with all the publicity and speculation. Either way, I think if Taylor ends up releasing a song that may or may not be about Tom, that we just get another bombshell masterpiece that was all too well. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> that would be nice. We also had a submission from DrewBot25, who would really like an indie folk album. And... That would be similar to Safe and Sound from The Hunger Games, which actually, when we talked with Kayla last week, she said the exact same thing. But Drewbot also said that this album could have more R&B with collaborators such as Drake or Chance the Rapper. And so Down in Flames said that they would like to see some catchy dance tunes, maybe similar to New Romantics, which... I've always thought that was such a good single, such a good song for the radio, such a good song for just so many different situations because of how upbeat and catchy it is. So I would love to see more songs like that. And they also said they would love her to do something pertaining to some of the struggles going on in society and current events, something meaningful. And they commented, as Taylor herself said, speak now. And I know that we've talked a little bit about how she has stayed away from political commentary and it's obviously totally her decision to do that. I think that when she clearly knows her stance on something and is ready to say it, whatever that's about, she delivers the message perfectly. She knows how to word things perfectly. And I think if she did choose to do a song with any sort of you know current event message in it, I think it would be incredible. Well, and that's an interesting point. We have talked about how Taylor hasn't discussed politics, but we all know Taylor, and Taylor expresses herself through songwriting. So if Taylor does want to comment on current events, it will be through a song, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely well said. Our next submission is pretty much one of my personal favorites out of this entire list. Uh, it's so simple and to the point, and something I've been saying for you know, eight years at least, since the dawn of time, really. All they said was, there must be a song with Ed Sheeran. Agreed, 100%. That's it. 
Our next submission comes from Harmony Uno XX, and this is very similar to what I mentioned earlier from the other submitter who's talked about Haley Williams. This person believes that a duet with Haley would be awesome and that the album should be a pop punk album. Punk, that's kind of new. That's interesting. Would that be like an Avril Lavigne kind of thing? Yeah, it could be. And I'm trying to think of what songs of Taylor's, if any, would be considered punk. And the one that's coming to mind is Better Than Revenge. Oh. Yeah, that's a good way to put that. I never really would have classified it like that. A little bit. I guess you could call it a little bit like that. For me, 22, I didn't really think of it as punk, but it really reminded me of an Avril Lavigne song, especially when I first heard it. I think then it changed over time for me. Hmm, That's interesting. Well, our next submission comes from Swifty with two Vs. So they said, first of all, that, you know, they heard that maybe Taylor was going with Max Martin again on album six, which we've talked about. Um, But it's interesting what they say, because they say they're kind of uncertain about it a little bit, not because they didn't do a good job, because both Max Martin and Jack Antonoff did on 1989, but just to highlight the fact that they kind of just want something completely new and fresh, as they put it, because Martin kind of sticks to, as they put it, the tried and true too much. So, which is really interesting to me. I mean, he does work with so, so many of the top 40 artists. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there is seemingly a formula that he kind of uses for all of his songs. But on that note, they kind of supplemented it. They ended up saying, quote, please do something completely out of the box, Taylor. And they said, which I thought was really funny. They said, quote, Swedish hit makers are the opposite of out of the box. So anyway, uh, they go on to say that their favorite producers for Taylor, um, other than, of course, Nathan Chapman and Taylor herself, uh, would be Jeff Basker and Imogen Heap, which we already referenced a little bit earlier. And as far as genre goes, they think that R&B could work surprisingly well, or it could be a total disaster. And I agree, like they put, it's an interesting idea. I think um, Taylor definitely could explore this option and really make a fantastic album uh, you know, a darker album. But they agree with kind of what we said a little bit earlier was that rock and country would be the bottom line to them. But regardless of what genre she does choose, I'm pretty confident it will not be a disaster. Yeah, I actually really like our last post from OG Nicolaster23, who said that the album will be a bit different because Taylor always wants to evolve her music. But Taylor will not go back to the Red and Speak Now era for that reason. However, this is my favorite comment, I look forward to where she takes us and her music, and I trust that we'll all love it, even if it's what we're not used to. Absolutely. We always talk about how Taylor never leads us astray. She always knows exactly what she's doing. So I'm not worried about it. Yeah, that's what makes me most excited when thinking about this, because... Every album has been a little bit different. Fearless was so different from the debut. Speak Now was the first one she wrote all on her own. Red was obviously the transition more into pop. And then 1989 was when she said goodbye to country. So all of those things were not Taylor following the status quo. She's really tried to exceed our expectations every time. And it's always worked so well. Well, first of all, thank you to everyone on Reddit who submitted for our main discussion this week. Really, it's a fantastic medium. We loved how much 
you guys submitted to us and really a lot of great ideas in there. Like I said, we're going to be referencing this episode down the line just to see how right or wrong we actually were. So I'm excited whenever that may be. But for now, just a couple reminders for you guys. Uh, If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes and it will download our latest episode for you automatically. And be sure to leave us a review and a five-star rating as well, just to help other people find our show easier. If you wanted to contact us to submit for any of our segments or any ideas, or just to talk to us, whatever, you can find us on Twitter at SwiftCast13, our Tumblr, swiftcast13.tumblr.com, Instagram, instagram.com slash swiftcast13, or Facebook, facebook.com slash swiftcast13. You can email us at swiftcast13show at gmail.com, or you can find all of these things on our website at swiftcast13.com. So to wrap up the episode for you guys this week, uh, we really liked what you guys submitted us to us last week about what Taylor might be doing currently. Um, anyway, so we decided to ask you guys again this week, and we got some really great submissions. Our first one is from at puppet underscore domino, who said, Taylor is probably not dropping an album. <laughs> Sad, but true. <laughs> <laughs> and T. Swifty said, that Taylor is probably lying on her bed and laughing because she reads all the funny tweets about her. Vans Baron on Twitter said that Taylor Swift is probably trying to find baked goods that look like they take a lot of effort but are actually very simple. Tom Art 1456 said Taylor is probably baking cookies in London. And based on what we heard earlier from Little Big Town, that could be true. It definitely could be. Our last one is from App rebel roamer who said that taylor is probably watching fixer upper hgtv i can definitely see her being addicted to all of those shows (laughs) maybe that's what she's been doing during her break maybe she's been remodeling a home all by herself she's been known to do that yeah and there were some stories similar to that fixer upper seems kind of likely So thank you again to everyone who submitted for this week's episode. Uh, For episode 189 of SwiftCast, this has been Nate, Ashley, Adam, and Steph. And we'll see you next week, guys. Bye, guys. See ya. Thanks, guys. Later. Thank you for listening to this episode of SwiftCast. Visit us on the web at theswiftcast.com. SwiftCast is not directly affiliated with Taylor Swift, Big Machine Label Group, or 13 Management. 